Welcome into another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, today, Bubba, uh, we'll talk to a guest that has an incredible story. Uh, just what a journey uh, of the the life and times of Tyler Stovall. Now, I mean, I mean, this this has got a lot. There's a lot here. Yeah, he, he's got quite a story. And and Rick, I had playfully named him uh, the million dollar holder. Yes, when he said. played for the Auburn football team, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll delve into how he got that name. And there's probably some truth in that, not not completely, but it, sure. it, it was great to scream that in the stands. Yeah, well, again, and, and, and to be fair, here comes the million dollar holder. In, in all fairness, you were talking before tax. Yeah, right. uh, so, yeah that's right. So, so Tyler, welcome to Rick and Bubba uh, University, the podcast. And we have a lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump right in. So you um, and 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 I know some of this. Uh, you're a humble guy, but but t- the people need to know so they can kind of understand the journey that you went on. Uh, you know, you were gifted by by your creator with a lot of athletic gifts. You also you know were incredibly uh, incredible hard worker, but you did have some natural gifts yeah. uh, that uh, that enabled you to play at an elite level uh, in high school. Uh, you were three sport athlete at Hoax Bluff High School. That's in Alabama, uh, and um, not only and this is the thing I think that might have it's going to sound weird coming from us, yeah, <laughs> because you know when it came to when, when it came to scholastics, yeah, Bubba and I were wanting. Uh, they, we, 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 we we were adequate. We Rick, were adequate, but we were wanting when it came to excellence. And I, I want people watching and listening <laughs> this to hear this because I think you deserve an incredible. Uh, pat on the back for this. While playing three sports, you were still the class valedictorian. Yeah. Now, yeah. Is, now is that serious business? Is that true? Straight we're, up. We're, well, this is true or false with Tyler Stovall. <laughs> straight up. Today. Straight up. Straight up. I, I might have done a little brown nosing, but it, it's straight up. <laughs> okay. Well, we get there however we get there. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. I, and I say that holding now, a, a college diploma. <laughs> now, Tyler, is it is this true too? Because these stats, some of the some of the stats about you are so incredible. Mm-hmm. You go, well, that can't be right. Yeah. Not only as a great student and playing three sports, you led the football team to five state championships. Baseball. So baseball. Baseball championships. Yeah. So okay. we always went in the playoffs. We went really deep, probably semifinals or third round every year that I was part of football, but we never actually won it. So that's something my brother got over my head because he won one before us. But, yeah, so when I, was, I started as an eighth grader in baseball, and uh, it's kind of a funny story because one of the – things that stuck out in my mind when I was in eighth grade, there was a lefty senior on the team, and I'll never forget asking him, I said, hey, how many lefties do we have on the team? And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, hey, there's only going to be one on this team. You're not going to make it. So oh, wow. from that moment forward, it was kind of a, you know, that was kind of what lit the fire under me and just wanted to kind of be great. And, you know, God, you know, it's funny how all that stuff works out and how he, how he works, but that was one, one of my favorite verses. And, you know, most athletes use this verse, but it's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I said, man, I don't, I don't care if it's, a, you know, one of the seniors leaders on the team that's saying or whatever, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to do everything I can through Christ. And I know if I do it the right way and I lead by example, you know, good things will start happening. And guess who I ended up starting over in right field that year over that senior that said that a to me. A big lefty. So... Pretty pretty neat story, but so yeah, we won six straight state championships. So Good my night. seventh grade year, we won it. I didn't, I was not a part of that team, but um, was loving every second of it. And then eighth grade year through my twelfth grade year, we never lost. So I think about it when you think about the kids I work with now. Like some of these kids have never ever won a state championship, and to think five years of my life, we ended on the biggest stage at the high school level. And some, you know, as much as baseball and football I've played now, some of my most fond memories are 
playing with the guys you grew up with and yeah. winning those state championships. So. Did, did you did you, you said you played uh, right field obviously uh-huh. in high school? You know, just because you pitched doesn't mean yep. you don't play uh, some when you're not pitching. Did you pitch from eighth grade on, or, or yeah, did you so work I, your way to pitch? I pitched my eighth grade year on, but you know, I was an eighth grader, so I didn't throw real hard. Yeah. I had some good off speed stuff, but um, it wasn't until my sophomore year pitching when I really started taking over. But, yeah, my eighth grade year, I, I batted in the two-hole, batted over like 430 as an eighth grader. And what's kind of neat about that, my eighth grade year, we were playing, I think it was Montgomery Academy in the state championship, and they intentionally walked me as an eighth grader to the pitch to the 3A player of the year, Nick Wheeler, <laughs> who was a senior. And I, I'll never forget it because I, I asked them, that the head coach, I said, man, why did you intentionally walk an eighth grader to pitch? He said, well, with all due respect, he said, you were – five for six at the time and he said also um he said i just couldn't have an eighth grader beating my ball club <laughs> so we intentionally walk you to pitch to the 3a player of the year and i said well i didn't think that was the, <laughs> the right idea but anyways it, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out nick got a game winning hit and we we won the state championship but i thought that was really cool just the respect that he showed me as an eighth grader so so five years you're on the varsity baseball team you guys win the state championship all five years. Yep. You're playing quarterback for the football team. And yep. They're getting to the playoffs, which still having good seasons. Mm-hmm. So what did you play in basketball? So basketball, I was, uh, you know, every, literally everything. I was kind of what you'd call a small forward, kind of a. I was real streaky. So my wife always kids me. Said I always won the hardwood hustle award, meaning I would run through a brick wall for a ball. So <laughs> I was definitely the guy. Whoever their top scorer was, I was locking him down. But um, I kind of got timid in high school for whatever reason, shooting. And that's kind of why I'm passionate about helping young people now about being just confident in who you are. But, um, yeah, so I was just the guy that guarded the dude that was scoring 25 points a game, and I was the guy that was going to shut him down and believed in that. So. Yeah, yeah, so we can relate to that. <laughs> I, I, I was I was okay offensively, but I was called the enforcer on defense. That's right, enforcer. Yeah, well, but, I got in for such a small amount of time. <laughs> I usually you, shot right when yeah. I got over half court because the clock was <laughs> running it up, out. Put yeah. it up. So, but but I want I think it's important to so your high school career athletically and academically yeah. was stellar, and it's funny that you use uh, you know the 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 verse uh, for uh, Proverbs four I mean I'm sorry Philippians four thirteen because you know when you look and this is the part people have to understand when you look into that verse the verse is really Paul talking about that he can endure anything yeah, absolutely because of Christ this requires an incredible amount of work yeah you certainly have been naturally gifted. But there's a lot of naturally gifted people that don't have this kind of experience and and this kind of productivity. So speak a little bit to the to the those that are watching, listening, parents who are watching, listening, yeah. uh, athletes. It also you have to also be the one willing to put the work in. Absolutely, I think of a verse in Ecclesiastes nine ten. It says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might." So my my thought was this: I said, "Man." I can either cruise through school, make it easy, or if I have the ability to make all A's, why not? If I have the ability to play three sports, why not? And, you know, for whatever reason, that was instilled in me at a young age from my, my dad. And, you know, my dad got a lot, Brian Stowell, he got a lot of his work ethic from your dad. So oh, yeah. um, it's really cool just to see how it all unfolded. But one of the things I think biggest for me was when I was a young kid, my dad, he he shared this with me and it, stuck, it, it sticks with, with me today. And he said, Tyler, show me your friends, and I'm going to show you your future. And for whatever reason, that stuck out in my mind. So I said, man, 
do I want to be, what do I want to be like one day? Am I going to hang out with knuckleheads that are bringing me down and just, you know, doing that kind of thing? Or am I going to hang out with people that I want to be like one day? So, and that meant a lot to me. And what it did, it challenged me on the flip side of that. I said, when, what kind of friend are you being? Are you being a friend that's encouraging your buddies? Or are you being a friend that's being the knucklehead? So for me, it was really big on, like you said, understanding that work ethic means something. So two of the biggest things that I'm, I'm very, you know, how my life right now, even to this day is, work ethic and being disciplined in the little things. So one of my rules that I give my my kids that I work with now on a daily basis, my number two rule is attention to detail. So the little things matter, no matter what it is in life. I think they they matter tremendously. And so I told myself I could do one of two things. I can just kind of go through the motions or I can say, hey, I'm going to go all in. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I said, I know I can make all A's. I'm going to make all A's. I know I can play three sports. I'm going to play three sports. And I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. So uh, you know, and I don't know where that comes from. I think it was instilled in me at a young age. And a lot of it had to do with, too, the fact that, you know, even as an eighth grader, you have a lot of eyes on you. And one of the things my dad always taught me is says, you got a platform and influence. And I said, I'm going to I'm going to use this influence in a positive way and try to impact people. And there's so much better to show it through your actions than trying to just talk about it all the time. So I said, I'm going to I'm going to try to lead by example and I'm not saying I'm going to do it right always because I'm going to mess it up a lot, but I'm I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Well, don't you think they'll agree, but because I think one thing that's misunderstood up through times of playing and, and getting a chance to coach, and, and you heard uh, Tyler mention this, his dad played for, for my dad in high school, and I remember watching your dad play, and I was just a little guy then. It was yeah. one of dad's you know early uh, early to mid-70s teams, yep. and um, and I can still see him taking that pitch on the option and going up the <laughs> sideline, but – and boy, that was like stealing when they were running the option in. <laughs> nobody knew what was going yeah, on. But crazy. anyway, but I knew he played, you know, for for a man that that demanded, you know, the that you just maximize who you are. Yeah. And, but what I've seen sometimes when you have athletes that are gifted, yeah, like yourself, is because as opposed to tr- there's always this assumption that they don't work hard. That yeah. It comes right. easy for them. They just they got it all just naturally. Yeah. And and I I, I got to coach a kid that was an elite player one time, and I noticed officials were calling tougher against him. Yeah. They were trying every way in the world to put the governor on him mm-hmm. to lower him down. And and I finally just called time out and I said, I don't like how this is going and I see what you're doing, but what you're missing, that guy right there is the last one to leave the practice field. Yeah. He's the first one here. He works on his game. He bangs on his craft. And now you're going to punish him because the others weren't willing to work That's as hard right. as him. You assume he just all of a sudden woke up one day and could do all this because he's got some ability. There's a lot of people that have ability out here that aren't as good as him because they don't work as hard as him, yeah. as, hard as him and he shouldn't be punished for that. And that, that's one mm-hmm. thing my dad instilled in me when I was little for whatever reason, and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when I think about the cliche saying hard work beats talent when talent don't work hard. That's true. That's a that's 100% true. And so I was, like you said, I was the first one to be at the park every day. I was the last one to leave. I was hitting 300 balls every weekend on top of what. So, like, whatever we had practice-wise, I was going to the field and taking hacks with my dad. And my dad had a rule because we didn't always have L screens back in the day. And he said, I'll throw you 300 balls or until you hit me. When you hit me, we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I just love my dad always being – and I think that's a part of it too is parents understanding, hey, if you got a kid that really wants to work at this, being, just being there for him. My dad didn't always know what to say, but he was there to throw me the 300 balls every day. And I, I really appreciate that because it was something that makes me the man I am today even outside of sports is just the work ethic, the the discipline 
in the little things. All right, we'll come back. Let's talk about he got a great opportunity. The baseball career led to a big decision yep. uh, that had to be made in your life, and we'll talk about that when we come back. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so Bubba, I'm getting word from Tommy John. People are responding. Uh, let me tell you, let's just talk about it. You and I talk about underwear, people will respond. Because they think if it's comfortable on those two, think how comfortable it could be on me. Oh, I know. You know, and I, know. Um, I, I will say this. When it comes to Tommy John, why don't you just just test us on this? Get get you Tommy John's, and you'll notice the difference so quick. And if you don't, this is the thing. They, they say, how about if, if it's not the best pair that you've ever had, then then they will give it to him for free. They, they say, right, you don't owe us anything, here's your money back. So you've got everything to gain and, and nothing to lose. But why are they more comfortable? Well, I'll tell you why. Uh, Tommy John's, has, they, they have taken the time to say, you know what? When a dude puts on his underwear, there's a certain way that God made men, and, and if you would design it differently, it probably would be more comfortable. And, and there, now I'm getting into the, the hammock pouch underwear. I mean, th- th- this is designed for comfort. Uh, it also uh, wicks moisture to keep you dry. Uh, it's, it's, it's got the stretch, uh, four times of the competing brands, meaning they fit more comfortably. You ever had them ride up on your legs? You know, like us, we all got big legs. What well, happens? Yeah. Tommy, they don't ride up on your legs and, and they come with the non-rolling waistband too. You ever had the waistband roll up? Oh. It's, they don't do that. <laughs> look at me, Ricky. Think. Yeah. I'll <laughs> roll you. down in my <laughs> look, How about this? I looked at you one time in my underwear roll, <laughs> but look, look, so, so look right here. Okay. We got shipping and returns. They're free. Uh, and you can get 20% off the first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash rickbubba. That's tommyjohn.com slash rickbubba. That's 20% off tommyjohn.com slash rickbubba. See the site for all the details. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Tyler Stovall is our guest. We talked about you being a three-sport athlete in high school, uh, uh, won five state championships uh, as, as a player and a pitcher, uh, played uh, all three sports, valedictorian of your class. So the opportunity, because of all the hard work and, and the things that happen, you get an opportunity to be drafted in 2008. So, yeah. t- so take us there. Now, did you did you sign with college first? Or get yes. drafted? How did all that roll so out? So I, I signed at Auburn. I was a big Auburn fan growing up. Um, had offers to all the SEC schools and kind of a dream come true. I just, you know, I loved the idea of getting to play at the next level. And like I said, all them days that I've spent, I put in on the weekends with my dad and um, just kind of seeing it unfolding and kind of coming to fruit, you know, full fruition. I was excited about it. And I signed at Auburn, was a big Auburn fan. Butch Thompson, who's the head coach now, he was the pitching coach then. So I actually signed as a dual guy, signed as an outfielder and a pitcher. And, um, you know, like I said, I was working hard in the classroom, working hard on the field. And then my senior year rolls around and, uh, Every time I threw a pitch, there would be 40-plus radar guns behind home plate. And you're talking about kind of a, a – just kind of a – I don't know what you – I never got nervous, but when I'd see all them 40 guns and I knew – I just kind of knew that the That was magnitude. my question. Do, do, do you sense this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no way you cannot sense yeah, when, 40 radar guns. When you go to throw a pitch in a high school baseball game at a 3A or 4A level and, you know, and then there's 40 guns popping up, it's definitely something that kind of – 
you you want to overthrow just a tiny bit. And, <laughs> you just uh, want to impress. Yeah, you just want to impress. But so what were we, you throwing then? So I was low 90s, so I, I could top out mid-90s, 95, 96, but, which I feel like today's time, that's the new 90. But back right. then, when you threw over 90, it, it was a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that was a special occasion. Yeah, so I was— I bet your catcher loved you in Yeah, he, they usually hated me. Uh, <laughs> they had the little thumb guard made yeah. out of cast put in there, but— uh, Always had a love hate relationship with my catchers, but yeah. So I was I was mid nineties. I was ninety ninety four on a good day. If I was really feeling it, I could get ninety five ninety six. But for the most part, I was low nineties from the left side. And in high school, that's pretty much yeah. unfair. Yeah. But left uh, side is unfair. To yeah, some that's degree. right. Yeah. yeah, it is. And so um, I had I signed at Auburn. I loved Auburn. I wanted to come to Auburn, but um, the the whole staff got co- Coach Slater. Tommy Slater was the head coach then. And uh, they didn't have a great year going into 2008, and they uh, the whole staff got fired. And so when they got fired, I was actually thinking about going to Vanderbilt to play football. They offered me a quarterback and punting scholarship, and I was going to try to do both there. But then when the Braves called me in the second round, it kind of made it easy for me because <laughs> I really didn't. Wa- I really wanted to go to college first because I knew how important that was. But then when all that happened, and I didn't ha- know the staff coming into Auburn and all the stuff that was going on, I was just like, man, this is a this is a big opportunity, something that I dreamed of my whole life. So I grew up a huge Braves fan my whole life and uh, got the chance to get my name called oh, yeah. by them in the second round and was a dream come true. So um, got did, to, did you know they were going to do that? Did you have a, a yeah. you know, inside? Had well, they contacted you? It's ahead a of crazy time? story. I don't know if we can get all the details in on the podcast, but I'll, I'll share a little bit. So the Braves traded their 17th overall pick that year, 17th or 18th, I can't remember, for, for Tom Glavin that year. So they didn't have an actual first-round pick. They had the 40th overall pick, which was a supplemental first round. They called me a week before the draft and said, hey, we just want you to know we're looking at picking you with our 40th overall pick. So I'm pumped. Um, and then I had picks like 37, 38. Diamondbacks had a pick, and I think the Dodgers had a pick. They actually – we were at the beach at the condo with my family. It was our senior <laughs> week trip. So we – we go to the beach, um, and I'm sitting there with my family, and the Diamondbacks actually came and met me at our condo and said, hey, we really want to draft you with our, I think it was 37th, 38th pick, right before 40th. And I said, man, just being honest, I, you know, I grew up a big Braves fan. I'd love to go to the Braves at 40. And they said, well, we really appreciate your honesty. Um, we're going to move ahead with our – I don't even remember who they picked. Well, then the Braves are on the clock at 40, so this is draft day. We're watching it live on the TV. Oh, my goodness. You just told the Diamondbacks, no thank you. <laughs> I, I turned down hundreds of thousands of dollars what I did. But being 18 years old, you don't know anybody. I want to go play for the Braves. Put yeah, the hat up and take the right. money. I, I can't imagine my, me being 18. Having yeah, to trying to go that. through yeah. these scenarios being 18, and I was the first in my family to do it. So, And that's what I love about Hunter Stovall now, my little cousin. I get to kind of talk him through some of those moments that I – you know, didn't always choose the right way. But anyways, like I said, I was a big Braves fan. I thought it was the right choice. Well, then the Braves had the 40th overall pick, and it goes on TV, and we're watching it live with my family. My dad gets a phone call, and he's kind of – if you know my dad, he's pretty intense. He's pretty in- intense. So yeah. he goes in the other room pretty upset. I can hear him kind of yelling, and uh, it goes, Atlanta Braves with the 40th overall pick select Brett Duvall from Niceville, Florida. So oh, I was like, my oh, goodness. my goodness, what You chose the Diamondbacks <laughs> to have a Coke and a smile, <laughs> I said, and they didn't even pick and you? They did, and then the Braves didn't pick me. So I got a call immediately as they were still on the clock. They called me and said, hey, he wasn't supposed to be on the board during this time. We're 100% picking you with our next pick, which was 64th, was which where they did pick me. But kind of just, you know, that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth right from the get-go sure. of pro ball because – 
they used a small town kid from a small town place in nowhere, Alabama, Hoax Bluff, one of my favorite places in the world. But they used me being a huge Braves fan almost against me. And, I, and that's when I understood, though, man, this is it's a business. It is a business. It's not about mm-hmm. I grew up a huge Braves fan. It's about business. And they saw an opportunity to get me at a discounted rate, I guess, and yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, I made that same mistake when it came to an <laughs> opportunity to play college. Uh, I let my fandom put me in a compromising situation, yeah. and, and uh, they were able to do some things to me that they probably couldn't have if I just acted like I wasn't such a fan. Yeah, uh, you're right, but you're young. I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, know what you're trying better. to be too. Here's a concept, honest. Yeah, and that was to say where you'd rather play. So Tyler, the 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 decision to to go pro with yeah. the Braves versus college. Yes, sir. To, and you you may not want to go into all those details, but I mean it's all public knowledge now. Yeah. So what what were you up against there, money wise? Yeah. So what, how did your parents feel about yeah. you going into that as opposed to education and the yeah. college experience? How'd all that play? Well, out? so you know, like I said, I you know, you 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 kind of mentioned the story. I was valedictorian, so my my parents knew I had a good head on my shoulders, and you know, it wasn't like I was a knucklehead. I mean, I I kind of did some knucklehead things outside <laughs> of that, but I mean, I was I was. I was the all-American kid on the outside. I was working hard. I was three-sport athlete. I was making good grades. So if there was one kid that had life figured out at that time, it was definitely me. But what I didn't understand was just the mental grind that it was Mm going to be going 18 and going away for eight months out of the year and being away from your family, your faith. Like, I didn't even realize I could take God. I was that, like, just that naive, just that that small in my faith, just realizing, man, I think of Joshua 1-9, man, wherever you go, God's with you. You just got to remember it. But I... I was just so young, but my dad and mom, they really did a great job at trying to, they tried to lead me well, but they also wanted me to make the decision because they said, we don't want you to regret it one day if you decide because of what we say. But I think what made it the easy decision for me at the time was Butch and the staff was all fired and left. So it was like, and it gave you the opportunity to just kind of, hey, it's a clean slate. I really wanted to play for Butch Thompson in Auburn baseball. And, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't in the cards at the time. So I said, hey. Atlanta Braves is my. I grew up a huge Braves fan my whole life, and yeah. you know they used that against me. But still, it didn't change the fact you that hey, I, right. yeah, to me as an eighteen, who cares how many? I mean, you're getting paid money to go play for a team that you love, and so that was. It kind of made that decision easy for me once the the the, the Auburn thing kind of fell through. So it was. Uh, I think looking back on it, would I have changed it for my baseball future? What if I hindsight's twenty twenty? Yes, I would one hundred percent. So you would have if if, I you, would have if you knew what you knew now. If I what knew would what you I do? Now, what I, would you do different? So I would have went to college just because of the fact for a I, year or two, for at least because mm-hmm. I, I probably would have went the Vanderbilt route that I had the offer because I was going to play football and if I didn't like it, they were going to let me just do baseball afterwards. But I wish I so now when I when I mentor young kids that have that same option, I always tell them. Man, don't always – you don't have to take the money up front. You can you can go get your degree. Because my, my biggest thing is the mind, how much more you – think about an 18-year-old compared to a 22-year-old. Oh, yeah. Oh, how different difference. you that, are. Huge it's difference. only four years, but yes, it's a big four it's years. A huge even four even years. if you didn't get good grades like me and Rick, <laughs> yeah. the mentality yeah, is the totally mentality. different. Yeah. And I think about it all the time when I got through with Auburn football of just, uh, just how sharp – just – going to school like it's a routine you develop a routine you're going to school you're going to practice it just develops you into being disciplined even more so i was a high school kid that had it all figured out but then going six years straight of hey i get to kind of all my buddies are in school and i get to kind of just hang out you know and i had kind of the wrong mindset i had the mindset of hey i've worked my whole life 18 years everything i've ever wanted it's kind of happened so it was kind of like man this is kind of nice i'm getting to kind of just 
basket in and relaxing it. I wish I'd have kept that same grinding mindset, but I was just, I was young. I didn't know any better. And so for me personally, I think when I, when I tell kids now, I try to always encourage them to go to college because there's so much growth from that 18-year-old to 22-year-old, and you're having a good time. You're playing it. Just know, for that alone. For that alone, just the experience and just the <laughs> getting to play at a school that you love. I think that's a, that's a big deal for a young, a young kid because the, the minor league side of baseball, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a, it's a tough it's grind. Tough. No, yeah, it's tough. No, I've had some friends that have had kids that had a chance to do it, and they're just like, man, especially if you have a desire to – settle down, have a family yeah. and all that, man. It just does not offer that. So we're going to come back. I want to talk about the the six years that you were in Major League Baseball and, yep. and, and kind of how that went. Uh, and then before we wrap up this edition, we'll, we'll talk about what you're doing now. Yeah, so absolutely. we'll be right back. More with Tyler Stovall when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. Well, we've, we've been talking a lot uh, on the program about our aging process, Bubba, and Manscaped, is now on the Rick and Bubba show, and and I said this, and Sherry laughed at me because I started saying, All right, let me tell you about this new company that's going to start advertising with us. And I walk in. Did you ever think you would walk in and holding in a box, I had this incredible piece of equipment to make sure that the hairs that keep growing out of my nose and my ears could be trimmed and I thought to myself when I when I had and they call it the weed whacker, and <laughs> yeah. and I, I did you did think, we ever think that would be a no, problem? Would we ever no. get to the point in our life? And I said, no. Let me tell you something. Now, this is a good one right here. This this, this one is precision. Yeah. It really does the job on the uh, hairs growing out. Oh, yours are going to grow out of your nose <laughs> yeah. one day. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, when, you, like, when you start looking forward <laughs> yeah. to Thursday because you know it's nose hair day, <laughs> right? You know what I mean. That's yeah. a sad state of affairs. So if you go to <laughs> manscaped.com, Okay, uh, you're going to find products that men need, and they're designed for us from head to toe. Everything that we need uh, when it comes to hygiene uh, and 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 being able to keep ourselves neat is there. Now we're going to get you 20 percent off, okay, with Bubba 20 uh, and 20 uh, percent off free worldwide shipping. <laughs> so just go there. Now we talked about the weed whacker; that's the one for nose and ears. Uh, but let me tell you something about the lawnmower. Now th- this 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 is this this trimmer. Like, you remember when my beard got out of hand? Rick, tell me they don't have the bush hog in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they oh. do. Yeah, it's not called that, but it, but it, but it is here. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, you look for phrases like crop reviver toner oh, uh, and performance boxer briefs. But that, that, uh, here's what I want you to look for. Are we farming or shaving? Yeah, from head to toe, we got it. And they've got – I used their deodorant. I loved it. The shampoo and conditioner is fantastic. My wife said that she said you've been your hair's looking fantastic. I said, look, I'm on the manscaped stuff. I've got I've got the the shampoo and the conditioner all in one. But if you go to manscaped.com right now, put in the code Bubba twenty. Look for the performance package. It has everything. You got the lawnmower. You got the weed whacker. Uh, you got the crop preserver, deodorant. <laughs> uh, you know, and and that's that's you know for areas that sometimes may 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 need a little help. Uh, and then you've got a crop reviver toner. And the boxer briefs I'm talking about, they put it all in a travel bag, and you can carry it with you on the road. So, so go right now and uh, and go to manscaped.com. Okay, they also any of the things that they have, any of the trimmers that they have. This is fourth generation stuff. They revolutionize the the field of self care for men. It has the advanced skin safe technology, so you don't get all the bumps and everything. They go with it, and you will love this. Is the, the the minute you take these products, you're going to know the quality of them. So go to manscaped.com, use Bubba twenty, get twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping right now. 
Tyler Stovall is our guest on uh, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So, Tyler, at this point, you've made the decision, and you've said, looking back, you probably would have made a different decision. Yeah, you're 18. Mm-hmm. You've got you've been drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. You had a chance to go play college baseball and even college football. Yeah, uh, and you say, I'm going with the Braves. I've always been a fan. Who can pass up this opportunity? And if you don't want to tell us, you don't have to. Can you give us some idea what kind of written? I know minor leagues, they don't pay much at yeah. all. But what money did you get that you were able to keep? Yeah, so I signed a contract for 860-something thousand, I think, in 2008. And then, so that was your signing bonus, which is, you know, that's life-changing money for oh, yeah. an 18-year-old so that, and, and that, yeah, that, that has not, I mean, that's your money no matter yeah, what that's happens. Your hey, money. That'll, that'll buy you a new Trans Am. There you go. And uh, I, was luck, I was lucky to... You know, have a good head on my shoulders. Most of my guys that I got drafted with were buying the the twenty thousand dollar chains and the the brand new cars that were over a hundred. I bought a Nissan Armada was my first purchase, and I still have that car today. That's a good car. That's funny. That's a good yeah, car. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so I was, you know, I, for whatever reason, I always had a good head on my shoulders for money wise. I was uh, my my buddy kids me that uh, when I first signed signed this big contract, he said, you made me share – you bought my meal, but you made me share a drink with with you. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't remember that, but that's pretty good. I, that means I was – it was more from a stingy place, I guess, than it was. Uh, but I just thought that was hilarious. He said, yeah, you, you bought my meal, but you made me share a drink with you. I was like, well, hey, it paid off. So, But anyways, yeah, so it was it was a life-changing amount of money. And then they uh, – the Braves in my contract, which it's cool that it – it ended up working out for me later in life, which I'm sure we'll speak on. But I had it in my contract that they had to pay for eight, um, eight year or eight semesters, so four years total of school, and that ended up working out so to my did, advantage. So you cashed that in? Yeah, so I cashed that in once I got to Auburn and played football, and so I was uh, I got to get my undergrad paid for through that, and then when Auburn put me on scholarship for football, I ended up getting my master's as well. So, you know, you you asked about. Yeah, for baseball, I would 100% done it different. But as far as life and you know what God let me live out, 100% glad that it worked out. Well, the way so, it Rick, did. I'm because glad your to know car- your character has been built on things that if they yeah, hadn't happened, absolutely. you wouldn't have got the benefit of that. And Rick, I'm glad to know that I was not misleading when I was screaming, "Here comes the million dollar hole." <laughs> yeah, it's within the it's within the margin it's that I'm margins, okay. Okay, I, I, well, just wanna, if, I just want to say I was correct, everybody. If you put inflation in there, 100 <laughs> <Yeah>. was there. <laughs> so you go into the league. And, and and tell us yeah tell know, us how that went and tell, how did you tell end us up your, back playing football yeah your major yes. league journey tell me what so happened. the major league journey was uh, I mean it started off like you I mean it was like it, it was a dream for me just getting to represent Atlanta across my chest and so first year I went to the GCL Braves which is a lot of people don't even realize which how this all works but anyways I got drafted second round I signed kind of late because it was the year the 2008 was when all the the crash happened, right. all that. So I signed above slot, which took a little time to get finalized, all that good stuff. Well, anyways, when I sign, I go to the GCL Braves for a half a half a year, and then once I finished that year, I went to the Danville Braves, which is in it's their advanced rookie league. It's b- below low A. And then after that year, I went between Danville, the low A. I mean Danville, the rookie league, and then uh, low A Rome Braves. Next year, I went to the Rome Braves. Next year, I went to the Lynchburg Hillcats, and that was the year I got released from the Atlanta Braves. And it's kind of a crazy story again. When I got released, a guy named Roy Clark was the scouting director. He took an assistant GM job with the Nationals, and as soon as he took that job, me, a fourth-rounder from my year, and another first-rounder all got released within a week. So it's just crazy how all that works out. Well, 
Um, after that, the Royals signed me. I go to the Royals, throw the entire – I was the last cut of spring training. I had eight innings, 14 Ks, zero hits, and I was the last cut of spring training. And that was that was kind of the final straw for me of just, man, I don't know what – you know, for whatever – and I, I really do think it's a, a God thing of how it all transpired. But so after that, um, I went to – the normal corn belters, I was in an independent league baseball team. So it's like a minor league team. It's just not owned by a, a major league affiliate. And it was the funniest thing. It was in normal Illinois. It's not even a, I think it's like a college collegiate, like summer team now. But it, then it was an independent baseball uh, team in the frontier league. And when you hit a home run, it went in corn. It was literally like a cornfield behind <laughs> Oh, wow. And the, it was field of nor, dreams. Normal so. corn belters and our corn, or our mascot was like a, a, Corn stock with butter sticks fries, but anyway, <laughs> unbelievable. So I was there and uh, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. I had to, I had to have t- two years from my release date. I had to use or go back to school, or I forfeited that money from the Braves that right. they're paying for it. So I knew I had a decision to make on that. Well, the craziest thing in the whole world happened. I was in Normal, Illinois, at BP. I get a phone call from an Alabama area code, and the guy's name was Paul Ganella. He was the director of player personnel at Alabama at the time. So Paul calls me and says, hey, we want you to come back and play football. And I literally think it's a joke. I think it's like a buddy playing a prank on me. Sure. Said, which, who is this? Who put you up to it? Like, I haven't put on football pads in six years. Like, who is this? And I guess it just shows you what kind of recruiting that Alabama was doing at the time because – I don't know how they got my. I still to this day don't. You're really still know on the board. You're still on the yeah. board somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. And what were they wanting you to play? What so position? They knew when I came on the first recruit. They said, "Man, we came." They actually said they watched me play quarterback in high school, and they knew I was an all-state punter as well, not just quarterback. And so they offered me to come back and do special teams with them. And they said, "We don't know what that entails it's exactly. We just want an older man." And he said, "If it's punting, if it's holding, whatever." An older it is. man. Yeah, an older guy to kind of invest in our guys. <laughs> and so whenever. Uh, I go to a couple games as a recruit. We love it, but I was a big Auburn fan. So, and some of my buddies kept giving me a hard time. They said, "Man, at least if you go to Alabama, you get your ring." That's funny. And, uh, <laughs> so we were serious. We were like, "Man, maybe this is something that's going to happen." Well, I guess you get on some kind of list after that, because then after that, Steve Spurrier was still at South Carolina. So me and my wife actually went and met with Steve Spurrier and his wife. We liked it so much up there that I got Christy certified to teach in uh, South Carolina. We thought we were going to make go You're about up to, to be South a game Carolina. Cock, yeah, huh? about to be a gamecock. And then because because I just couldn't I couldn't make myself go to Alabama, <laughs> but um, anyways after that people think we exaggerate. I know it's yeah. tough. It's people tough think we area. exaggerate, <laughs> but we don't. Then uh, the Gus had just got the head job at Auburn, and you know I was a big Auburn fan. And when Gus called me, it kind of we went on a recruit, but uh, on a visit. But you know I'd been there a million times through baseball, and we loved it. And you know the rest is history. We came it, like that happened in July. We came to Auburn the end of July. Fall camp started August first. So it was just like, bang, bang, bang. And I was playing that season in baseball. So it just it was a whirlwind of how it happened. Did they did they did they all look at you since you were an all state punter? Did they yeah. look at you punting too? Yeah. So I punted on all the teams. I never. I was. I could hit the five o fifty yards, but I was. I wasn't consistent because I hadn't done it in so long. I wasn't right. as consistent as I wish I would would have been. But with having my background in quarterback, I always had held, you know, in high school because our quarterback always held. And then I always got to do the scout team quarterback in at Auburn, so I'd wear the orange jersey and spin it around and not get hit. So I was like, hey, this is this is pretty <laughs> neat right here. But um, So I had a blast with it. But so that's how the holding came about. Um, and me and Daniel Carlson came in together in 2013, first year um, together. And I was like, man, I would love to be here and help. And I guess you guys know the story. I got nicknamed Papa Stove and – 
it was just a cool thing to be just, even though I was just a few years older, you know, I thought yeah. I'd be like a big brother, but the way they looked at me is almost like a father figure. And, and we're really talking cool. about your, how old at this time? You're 20. So I was 24 to 28 when I, so they yeah. actually, they, they officially, I don't know why we did this, but our, our, our like social media team and our, our, all our guys looked at, and like they officially named me the oldest man in the SEC. So I was 28 years old at the time, my senior year, and they 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 deemed me the oldest man in the SEC. Papa Stove, and oldest Pop, man in the SEC. Papa Stove, yep. So that is funny. Pretty cool. And did like the a, younger players know your history? Yeah. So I think that's where it all where the Papa Stove came from. They all knew my pro back background, and I think that's why. So many of them kind of flocked to me and Chris. Did they look up that signing bonus? And they were yeah, like, hey. that's probably what it was. They were like, "Hey, we can get some, <laughs> we can get some home cooked meals from these guys." But for real, and that that was one of my things when we got there. I told Christy, I said, "We can do this one or two ways again. I can just be one of the guys and just kind of, you know, go through the motions." Or I said, "We can actually use this platform and this influence that I talked about earlier." I said, "I can use this at this level." and kind of invest in these guys. And we kind of just provided a home away from home for guys that were out of town. So Will Hastings lived with us for five years. Jarrett Stidham was at our house every weekend. Daniel Carlson was at our house every day. Like, And what we did is we provided a – we gave them home-cooked meals, and we, we had a rule where we wouldn't talk about football. I just wanted these kids because I knew what it was like. I'd had, I'd had host families through my minor league career, and I loved the fact of having someone that just pours into you and – it's kind of a family for you when you're away from your family. And I said, I just want to, I want to create that for these guys. And my wife was just the biggest a part of that as I was. She would cook the, the casseroles, the, she would learn a lot of things. Cause you, you feed 12 normal size men. That's a feat. You right. feed 12, no. six foot eight, six, 330 pounders. That's a mm-hmm. whole nother, whole nother deal. So yeah. Christy better was kill a, the fatted cat. <laughs> she was a trooper and cooking meals for all these guys. And, it's so funny. One of the, the the favorites of the guys was hide and go seek in the dark. So we'd literally we'd black the windows out. <laughs> we would uh, we'd literally tape like lights like on the TV, and we would play hide and go seek in the dark because it was always after practice. So it was like seven thirty eight o'clock, yeah. and we would you couldn't see this far in front of your face. And Montravius Adams is one that sticks out in my mind. He's about a six foot six, three hundred thirty pounder, ran a four eight at his combine, and he ran Christy over in the living room. Oh wow! <laughs> like straight, boom, boom. You can hear him coming, and Christy gets decked. But she, you know, she's she's part. She was like one of the guys, just loving every minute. Isn't he of a it. Pittsburgh Steeler now? He, I think he is. So he was with the Green Bay Packers, but I think he is yeah. now with the Steelers. And he's well. It was just it, it. It just brings it back to thinking about how God brought it full, just all full circle for me of. Hey, I did, it didn't pan out the way I wanted to with the with the Atlanta Braves, but it was so cool to get to pour into these guys and help them get to their next step. And a lot of it was the mental side that I struggled with. I just I just poured into them on that and helped give them confidence every day because it it's tough sometimes going through at an elite level. You get you get crushed a lot of times mentally. So yeah. we were just there to encourage them, give them a place to call home and a a safe place. I wanted to show the guys that you could you could use your platform and your influence, and you could also you could represent Christ the right way. You didn't have to go out partying at night. You didn't have to go out and drink at night. You know, me and my wife, we don't drink, and we try to. We just wanted to represent. I wanted to represent Christ, and I wanted to represent what it meant to be married. I wanted to represent my marriage in front of these guys. Show them, show so, them. You yeah, know, you, you, you're like saying I'm further down the road. Yeah. Let me tell you why you should make different different decisions now. Absolutely. So when you're where I'm at. It's worth it's it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's almost like having somebody from the future come yeah, back and hang absolutely. out. Absolutely. I will right, come back. We'll finish up with um, uh, our podcast with Tyler Stovall. We'll talk about what he's doing now when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. So we're with Tyler Stovall, 
And so you 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 six years chasing after Major League Baseball. Yep. You come back and and part of your deal when you went to Major League Baseball is that they would pay for college. You go to Auburn. Yep. You start getting these calls about coming back to football mm-hmm. uh, and playing football. You're you're holding your holder and special teams player for Auburn. You and your wife, like we just talked about going into the break, are saying we've come from the future. Yeah. <laughs> so you're here to help some of these athletes make different decisions now because yeah. it is going to matter in the future. Um, and so you leave uh, Auburn, you you have your degree, and and tell us about Stowball Athletics. Yeah. So like you said, one of the things I wanted to, I just wanted to represent Christ everywhere I went, and I wanted to show these guys. For me, I was I was somewhat of a knucklehead and abused my relationship with girls early in my life. And to get to do that full circle with me and my wife and represent what it meant to be married and kind of walk two of my buddies through that and they saved themselves for marriage. How cool is that to yeah, see man. how God yeah. works? Amen. So that was his, really his cool. ways always better. That's right, always better than what we could ever imagine. But anyway, so that uh that transpired into um what we do now with Stovall Athletics. I always had a vision for Stovall Athletics. Um but I was always scared to start it. And my wife one day, I mean, this is what's so awesome about you marry someone that pushes you daily. But my wife's such a big part of what I do. She uh, she came into to the house. I was actually working as a commercial lender at Amerifirst Bank. And great job. But, man, I was I was like, man, I, there's something out there more for me. Yeah. And I loved working with kids. I loved adding value to young people. And that doesn't, you know, from college all the way to five years old, it doesn't matter. I just love adding value to young people. And Christy said, by the way, your site's live. I, I created Stove Athletics, <laughs> and it is on, it is it is live. People can book everything. So I was like, well, that's one way to start it. So, <laughs> But I always had this vision, and, you know, with my, with my connections through pro baseball and my connections through Auburn football and the guys, all the buddies that I played with at Auburn now and the pros, I said, man, we could, we could definitely provide – an avenue for kids in this area that maybe don't get that mm-hmm. that kind of exposure a lot. So what we do is I do individual lessons through the week and then on through the basically in the summers and then sometimes in the just really all over the the year we do big camps and every camp that I partner with not only are they good pro athletes but they're also good Christian men and everything from my logo down the triangle represents my faith and there was a time in my life when you know, God wasn't in the right priority of my life, sure. and baseball and sports was my God. And I hate to say that, but it's true. And so now, what I do with even with my business, I try to keep God first in everything I do. So everything from my logo down represents Him, and I just want to, I want to use that platform and that influence He's given me through sports and represent Him the right way. And getting to add value to young people is probably the, the biggest thing that God's let me do in my life that I'm most proud of. Because, you know, when it was at the Braves, it was all about me, all about me. But at Auburn, being behind the scenes, just being the holder, you know, I came out on just a few plays. But me being Papa Stove and being behind the scenes was more rewarding than anything I'd ever done when it was all about me. So, And that's what I do with Stove Athletics. I just try to provide an avenue for young kids to get better at what they want to do. And I try to represent, you know, Christ in that. So I have three main rules that I tell all my guys, and this is – it's cool because it represents it goes in your faith and it goes in your your daily grind as an athlete. My number one rule is confidence. And what I mean by that is you gotta believe you can do it when you step up on the when you step up in the box to get a hit, you step up on the mound to throw that pitch, you gotta know you're gonna pound the strike zone. And in our faith, you gotta you gotta know Jesus died for our sins, you gotta know he rose in that third day and conquered yeah. death. And number two rule that I tell my guys is attention to detail. 
And in sports, man, the details matter. The little things, the fundamentals is what separates each level you go to. And in our faith, man, it's it's getting in your word. It's yeah, reading the yeah, Bible. Yeah. It's having memory verses that you get to share when temptation is on you. And then my number three rule is we got to have fun. So in sports, you got to have fun. There's no reason to be out there. You got to right. love it. And then in your faith, you got to live a life that's fun or you know, you want to you want to attract people to Christ. You don't want to live a life that just seems right. doom and gloom. So it's really cool how God's been in every part of what I do now because there was a moment in my life where God was kind of taking a back seat to sports. So it's just really cool, like you said, just having the platform to get to do what I do now. Well, if you want to find out more about it, uh, you can go to stovallathletics.com and, and you can get on that website, thanks, thanks to your wife, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, and find out everything because it sounds like you've got a comprehensive approach. It's one thing to help people be better athletically, yeah. which – that's important, right? Mm-hmm. But you guys are going a little further in trying to prepare them uh, to actually function in life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and because uh, if if you can get that part right and build that foundation right, then everything kind of flows from there. So fascinating right. story. Thank and, you for uh, taking yeah, time to yeah. share all that. And, and I know that uh, you know we we were talking about uh, some of the stuff that you have been doing speaking wise too, yeah. and you can find that information there at StowballAthletics.com. Keep Tyler, up the good work, yeah, Thank Tyler. You. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. It's our pleasure, and thanks to all of you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>